Father God, we thank you that you're a generous God, that you so love the world that you gave. And we thank you right now for your presence, whether we're here in the church or whether we're online watching. We know that you're here with us and we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that we'd be able to hear your perspective about generosity and that we, we would overflow with joy at generosity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I grew up in a small farming community in Northeast South Dakota, Webster, uh, not a well-known little community, but I grew up on a farm outside of town and we were grain farmers and we also raised cattle and sheep and chickens, lots and lots of chickens. We would raise 10,000 chickens a year for the first 20 weeks and then they would be shipped off to another facility because they were turning into laying hens by that time. And they were supposed to all be female chicks, but there was always about 100, 125 roosters that would sneak in the batch. And only the females that were laying hens were shipped away after the 20 weeks, and so we would have about 125 chickens every six months that we could keep. And so we raised chickens, and we, uh, we, we ate chicken. I'm still a chicken lover. Nobody can believe that when they hear my story, but I'm still a lover of chicken. We also had a garden, and when I say garden, I don't mean teeny tiny little garden. We had a huge garden, and in our humble opinion as children, it was a gigantic garden. And we never understood why mom and dad planted such a large garden. And as time went on and I grew into adulthood and, and established my own life, I began to understand we were poor cash-wise. We were not rich farmers. We start, Mom and Dad started out uh, with nothing, and they worked hard. They worked 24-7, 365, and we didn't have a good cash flow. We had meat, we had produce, we had the grace of God, and we were never hungry. We were never without the necessities of life, but we, uh, we, we gave what we had. We would give away produce all summer long. We gave produce to everybody that had blessed us through the year. And we gave chickens away. Now, let me tell you, we didn't hand them a squawking chicken. We, we butchered the chicken, we cleaned them, we cut them up, we froze them in milk cartons, square milk cartons, and we handed you a milk carton of frozen chicken ready to thaw and throw in the fry pan. So, you know, my parents taught me generosity. It took a long time for me to understand the value of that. But I do, I do appreciate that because generosity is an attitude of the heart. It's not uh, a formula. It's not something that, oh, I'm mandated to do. It's an attitude of the heart. Let's take a look at the meaning of generosity, which, by the way, I only have 15 pages here, so I hope to not go more than about an hour and a half. My mouth is so dry this morning. Showing generosity is showing a readiness to give more of something, such as money or help or time, more than is strictly necessary or expected, showing kindness towards others. So what does the Bible say about generosity? 
I love the, the, uh, the Passion Translation version of 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 12. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing that you do. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need, plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when you take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. The priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, but it inspires an outpouring of praise and thanksgiving to God himself. That's a powerful uh, section of scripture. I love that last line. Our gifts, our generosity, our love inspire an outpouring of praise and thanksgiving to God. And honestly, that's the purpose of generosity. Because as I give, as I share, as I do, as I, whatever Jesus leads me to do, it blesses another person and it brings honor to the Lord. Now you may be thinking, oh gosh, with the, with the economy, uh, the pricing of everything's going up, housing has jumped up dramatically, uh, the economy feels so uncertain, I'm not sure that I can be generous. Maybe if I had a higher income, maybe if I had less debt, maybe if I felt more certain about how things were going, maybe a bigger bank balance, because right now things uncertain and you just kind of like to know that things are going to be okay. Once we get that settled, then I'll think about generosity. And I completely get that. That's a, a pretty normal reaction. I think we've all had some of those thoughts but today I'd like to challenge us that maybe God can enrich our faith, that he can stretch us a little bit, and we'll be able to experience what Jesus said, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20.35 in the Passion Translation reads, For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus, who taught, Giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. The Aramic meaning speaks of extravagant generosity. Blessed are those who try to give more than they've been given. Many of us have the heart to give, but we aren't sure if we have the resources to be able to give freely. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, where Paul is talking to the Corinthians and he says, 
And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. I love that because let me go back to this sentence and think about the opposites. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy. Their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That's not four phrases that you typically hear in the same sentence. But in the midst of their difficulties and challenges, their joy welled up in rich generosity. As they pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You see, the people in Macedonia were living in extreme poverty. And yet, Paul is using them as an example to the church of rich generosity. How could people that had so little, how could they possibly give so much? It was because it wasn't actually the amount, but rather it was the mindset. So many times we have mindsets that hinder us. We don't realize that they're limiting us and holding us back. The Church of Macedonia, they were actually begging Paul for the opportunity to give. They wanted to participate in giving, and they had overflowing joy in spite of their extreme poverty. They had a mindset that it was important to do what they were doing in, in the giving. We don't always realize the limitations of our mindsets. One of the mindsets that many of us suffer from is the uh, not enough mindset. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough resources. And we focus on the, I don't have enough. You might have $100 and say, I don't have enough. You might get $1,000 and say, I don't have enough. How many times have we heard about celebrities and athletes that are million, multi-millionaires, but they never have enough. They're always looking for more. They have to have one more of this or that. Not enough is not an amount. It's a mindset. The definition of mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself. It influences how you think and feel and behave. There are many examples in the scriptures that display God's extravagant generosity to us, his children, that display God's mindset. Let's start with John 3.16. For God so loved you, me, all of us, that he gave his best, he gave his son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He gave everything he had to us as his children. How about Psalms 23.1? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, sheep can't do much of anything for themselves. They need a shepherd. So the shepherd comes along and cares for them, leads them to the quiet uh, streams, leads them to, to pa uh, pastures of refreshing, 
The sheep need a shepherd. And when I recognize that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Philippians 4.19 in the Passion Translation. For I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have. For I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through Christ Jesus. You see, we serve an abundant God that not only wants to provide more than what we need, but he also wants to meet the needs of others through us. And what we need to do is adjust our mindset from not enough to more than enough. Those of you that have been around Destiny for a long time heard Pastor Brent talk about that oftentimes. He is the more than enough God. There's no lack. There's no lack with Jesus. It's us recognizing our place in him, our place that he's our papa, he's our provider, he's our caretaker, he provides all that we have need of. What we need to do is adjust our mindset from not enough to more than enough. In God's economy, it's actually pretty interesting because when you give to God, you don't lose anything. You actually gain something. You gain the opportunity to participate in what he's doing. It's like a crazy type of economy where the math doesn't really seem to work. And that's what makes irrational generosity something special to do. I like that word, irrational generosity. We serve a God who is generous and provides for us. And everything that we have actually comes from him. It's not ours. If you read in 1 Chronicles 29.14, this is David speaking. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. You see, when we start to really gain that perspective and realize that these are not our resources, but God's resources, then that makes it easier to give. We're simply stewarding his resources. So we need to move our mindset from my resources to God's. When we do that, it unlocks something different. You start looking for ways you can bless people. You start thinking about, God's given me these resources. What can I do with them? Who can I touch? Who can I minister to? Now I lost where I was. And you realize that we serve this God that's abundant and wants to provide for my needs and then bless others through me. You see, we're just managers of those resources. Proverbs 22.9 says, When you are generous to the poor, you are enriched with blessings in return. Psalms 112.5, life is good for the one who is generous and charitable, conducting affairs with honesty and truth. When we talk about generosity, let's talk about tithing for a minute. And this is a topic that sometimes makes people go, don't go there. But let's talk about it. Uh, when you, before you get all nervous and sweaty about tithing, hang on. The tithe gets a bad rap, but can actually be a very freeing principle. So let's get to the bottom of this. Why should you tithe? And forgive me for reading all of this, but if, I, if we'd relied on my memory, we'd be off on rabbit trails that did not stop. So in order for me to stay focused, I have to have my notes. 
I asked for a chair up here this morning. On Thursday night, I did what um, I call the old lady shuffle. That's where you're walking along with shuffling your feet instead of lifting them. And my foot caught a bump and my foot stopped and the rest of me kept going. And I went face first, broke my glasses. The only thing lasting out of it is I strained the back of my kneecap, my back of my knee. Uh, it's very tender back there. And I'm not, I wasn't sure that I could stand for an hour and a half and present this message. So, you know, I asked for a chair. And I'll have you out of here long before that. So let's talk about tithing. It wasn't some mastermind scheme invented by a bunch of church leaders to con you into giving. It's not something you do to make God love you more. You're not more spiritual just because you tithe. It's not something that is a, is a, a duty of the Christian life. And it's not supposed to make you, it's not supposed to be something that makes you awkward, sweaty, feel guilty, shamed, condemned. If there's anything you hear in this message today that brings a sense of condemnation or shame or failure because you're not doing what you should be doing, that is not Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit loves you and he draws you, he, he, he invites you to come on a journey with him. He told me this morning uh, when, when we were, uh, when I said two and a half weeks ago I would do this message, he said, I want this to be an adventure. You know, that's what God does. He takes us on an adventure and he draws us into places of freedom and places of growth and pr places of maturity. So anything you hear other than that is not coming from Holy Spirit. Just allow him to, to speak to your heart this morning. God is looking for people to give with cheerful, willing hearts. So what is the tithe? The tithe is the first 10% of our resources that we give back to God through the local church. Tithe literally means one-tenth. And here's the, the, the sentence that I want you to hear in this section. Tithing is a declaration of trust in a God who provides. That's what it is. It's a declaration of my faith. I choose to believe you, God. I choose to believe uh, your principles. And I know there can be controversy over whether tithing is New Testament, Old Testament. I'm not going to get into any of that at all. I choose to tithe. I choose because I trust I'm learning to trust God. I do trust God in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of ways I'm still learning to trust him. I choose to, to totally believe that portion of scripture. And so it's my, uh, my declaration of my trust in God that allows me to, to uh, bring the tithe. The tithe is not a rule to begrudgingly follow. Instead, it's an invitation to develop a healthier relationship with God, with money, and our neighbors. Our neighbors? What does that have to do with anything? Well, let's talk about how we use the tithe here at Destiny first. When you give to uh, Foursquare Missions, when you give to 
uh, Pastor Judah and Candace in Denver at their church plant, when you give to answer the call or to uh, any of the ministries that we bring before you, just as an example, 100% of what you give goes to that ministry. We don't hold anything out for expenses. We don't hold, the only exception to that is if you give by credit card or online, there's a one or 3% fee that comes off of that, and that does come off. But that's the only thing. We don't hold anything out for expenses. So when you give to emissions, it goes directly to that. If you don't designate your gift as anything unique, if you call it general or tithe or offering, that is what we will all lump together in one basket, which we call the tithe. We build a budget based on what the tithe is at the beginning of every year. Those funds are used to fund everything we do here at Destiny. Salaries for Sean and Deanna, excuse me, Sean and Diani. Uh, Deanna was never a paid staff. They were a team at that time, but Deanna was never paid. It was Sean that chose to take all the, all the income. Deanna just assisted him. But we use those funds to pay Sean and Diani, our janitorial staff, the mortgage payment, electricity, coffee, toilet paper, property insurance, all the expenses it takes to fund this ministry here in this building. So your gifts that are not designated to a specific ministry fund the ongoing ministry of destiny. Tithing is our opportunity to partner with God to, build, to provide a building to gather in. We have some place to come. We have the office building for uh, midweek classes. We have the facility here that we can gather and pray and learn and that we can reach out to each other. When we come together, it's not just about me and mine, but it's about me reaching out to you. Maybe with a hug, maybe with a, uh, how are you doing? Maybe with a, I'm so sorry. Maybe with a, uh, let's go to lunch. Let's, let's, let's do something to build relationship. That's Sean's message over and over and over. Let's, let's build connection. Let's build relationship. Because in that, we touch each other's lives. It's about connection. It's about joining together. And that's what our tithing can do. It provides a building, a leadership team, uh, ministry opportunities. It's a place we can bring our family and our neighbors and others to hear the word of God shared. Is tithing a test of how Christian you are? Not in the slightest. Tithing is something that God asks us to do, not because he needs our money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's that, it, that is not the purpose. But because he wants our hearts. Remember that God is a good God, a loving Father, and when he asks us to do something, it's from a deep place of love, knowing that we need even more, knowing what we need even more than we do. He's inviting us to tithe, not because he wants something from us, but because he has a better life for us. He, he wants us to walk in freedom, freedom in our resources, freedom in our time, freedom in our, our giftings, our callings. He wants our freedom. Tithing is an opportunity to trust God and remember that he is our ultimate provider. But here's the thing. 
when we're tithing, we're really not giving at all. Ponder that for a moment. Why is that? Because everything we have is a gift from God. Everything we have is something that He has given us. He's given me the opportunity to earn a living. He's given me the opportunity to have an income to provide for myself in years past, to provide for my family. He's, he's made a way. I don't have an education past high school. I, I went to a year of vocational school to be, now this is back in the early 70s, I became a child care specialist. Daycares were just coming on the scene, nursery schools, and I have a diploma in child care specialist. <laughs> That's the only education I have, and yet God provided me with a job that I've advanced, and I... I do amazing things that I don't know how I know to do them, but I do, you know. God is, the, God is the one that owns my resources because he's the one that gave them to me. I work hard, you work hard, but these are God's resources. So we are just returning to God what's already his in the first place. Many years ago, I was struggling with giving. I had become a single parent of three kids and I really didn't have a whole lot of child support. And I was struggling financially and it grieved my heart every time that the offering was called for a missions group, for a uh, Foursquare missions, for CareNet pregnancy, any, you know, Black Hills pregnancy, any of those things. We'd take an offering and it grieved me because I might have a dollar or two, or nothing, that I felt I could put in that offering bucket because I was on a pretty meager income. And that went on for a while, and, and suddenly one day I said, God, I said, you've given me this gift of wanting to give, wanting to share my resources, and I don't have anything to give. And he so clearly just reassured me that, yes, I did give you that gift. That is your heart. So stretch out your faith and give what you have and take steps forward. And I found that even though my income didn't dramatically change in that moment, my ability to give did. And it might have been $2.00. It might have become $3. It took some time. But I said, God, if you've given me this gift, then there's got to be resources to go with it. And there were. That was uh, just a real blessed uh, time for me. If that weren't enough, in Malachi 3, 10 through 11, God actually promises to bless our tithe and give us permission to test him. That's really the only place in scripture that he gives us permission to test him. Now, just a disclaimer here. Just because you tithe doesn't mean your life is going to be all roses and sunshine. Your car may break down. Your kiddo may need some medical office visits. Um, the roof on your house might need to be replaced as, as the hailstorms come. It's not a guarantee that there's not going to be anything uh, financial come against you. 
But I will promise you that there are so many stories of people with faith that began stepping into the gift of tithing. And it, I use the word gift, and there's a sense that it is. God gives us the gift of faith. We have faith that um, allows us to step into what he's telling us. So there is a sense that it's a gift of faith. I choose to step into that gift of faith. Regardless of the outcome, our job is obedience. And God honors that with something more important than material things. When you tithe, God shows up. Living off 90% of our income is always better than living off 100%. Things will never fulfill you the way Jesus does. Remember the story of the rich young ruler who wasn't willing to give up his money for God's mission? The point of that story isn't that having things are wrong. It's to show that you were created to love God more than stuff. And it's important to have those priorities in the right order. Start small. Like we said, God wants us to give cheerfully, not because we're supposed to. God would rather have a cheerful 1% than a begrudging 10%. Given out of obligation. God doesn't want you to give out of obligation. He wants you to step into a journey uh, of, of learning more about him, learning more about his generosity and his heart for you. We're confident that if you give from a heart of gratitude, you will grow closer to God. That's what it's all about. That's what any of the principles that he asks us to step into is about. It's a journey with him. It's not a task. It's not an obligation, but it's a journey with him. When you recognize that God owns everything and we're just managing his resources, it allows, him, it allows us to trust him completely and fully. So what do we know? We know that we need to change our mindset from not enough to more than enough. We need to change our mindset from my resources to God's resources. And lastly, and this one I found was interesting when I, when I realized this, we need to change our mindset from, okay, I'll give when. When I get out of debt, when the economy straightens out, when my house payment gets down to where it was supposed to be, when all of this. But we need to change our mindset from when to now. I'll give now. I'll begin processing it with Jesus. I'll begin asking Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What's, what's in your heart for me to give? Is it the 1%? Is it to bless someone with my hugs and my welcoming if I'm not um, real outgoing? Is it to give a smile to someone that I know is hurting and go pray for them? What can I give? God has a, an abundant basket of things that he says, here, this one's for you. Use it to bless somebody else. And that might be financial resources. It might not. 
So what is God asking you to give? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11, it reads, and Paul again was talking to the church in Corinth, now you should finish what you start. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. What's happening here is Paul is talking to the church of Corinth. If you remember the scripture we read earlier, they were excited. They were begging Paul, what can we give? Let us take part in this. But the reality is, their giving didn't happen near to the extent of what they were indicating that it was going to. And so Paul is encouraging us to, if we uh, make a commitment, if we make a, a, a intention, you know, God doesn't want our vows. Oh, I'll do this, I'll start right now, and I'll do this, and I'll... Don't do that. We're human. We're going to miss it. But what is God laying on your heart to do? Begin moving in that direction is what he's asking us to do. If you want to experience the overflowing joy of generosity like the Macedonian church did, take it from the first step of the intention of, I'd like to do this. God, I'd like to go on an adventure with you. Where are we going? What are we going to do? What's in your heart for me to do? then take the steps, take the first step to begin walking in that direction. It's never too early to start, and it's never too late to start. When God asks for our heart and he gets it, he fills it with himself. And giving some of what we have, whether finances or a greeting with a smile to bless our Lord seems like a very worthwhile investment. One other aspect of generosity is a life of service. Service is defined as simply the action of helping or doing work for someone. Not a difficult definition to understand. The word I want to focus on for a moment is action. One of my weak points in life is I'll say, oh, I need to send her a birthday card. Oh. I should, I should give her a call and tell her thank you for that word in church today. It was so good. Oh, by the way, I should, I should, I should, I should, I should. And I have a hundred great ideas. And I really want to do them. They're really from my heart. They're really something I feel is important. <sighs> but life gets in the way. And I don't follow through so often. I do on some, but there's a thousand things I'd, I'd like to be doing that I don't always follow through on. And that's hard. Um, I forgot where I was. I see the ways that I could bless and encourage and provide for someone else. Maybe it's taking socks to the Hope Center. Maybe it's helping a family that I know is financially struggling and they're doing everything right, but they're just in a tough place. And I could take them a meal or buy them a gift card. There's so many things that we can do to reach out to others. Make a phone call. Send a birthday card. I love it. Every once in a while, someone will send me a card, an actual card with a lovely saying in it. 
And it just blesses your heart. Um, you know, we, we lose a few of those, those simple things that we can do. You know, happy birthday on Facebook is great. I love it. But a phone call, Royce singing happy birthday to you on the phone, you know, last Sunday or two Sundays ago was my birthday and I walked around here and I got handed about six cards and four roses and I thought, wow, you know, that was just such a blessing to have someone make a, an effort to do something special. And that's what when we talk about service, that's what I'm speaking about. It can be something as simple as these things I've said. It could be um, doing something within the community, taking a step and, and coming alongside a, a ministry in the community. Um, the service part of it is very important. These are the gifts that money can't buy. And yet, these are the very things. When you get to know someone in your neighborhood, you speak to your neighbor over the fence during the summer when you're outside, or the, the elderly woman walking by with her dog and it's getting harder and harder for her to walk the dog. Can you walk the dog with her or for her? You know, build relationships in our, we need to build relationships in our service so that as we're doing something, it's not just a task and we'll throw it on the table and leave and we're done and we go, oh, good job. But it's an opportunity to build relationship. It's an opportunity to say, you're having a hard time. What can I do? Do you need your sidewalk shoveled? I'll send my husband over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, um, you know w the whole purpose is to build relationship. And in building relationship, we've heard it said anytime we've, we've heard a message on um, um, evangelism, if I walk up to a stranger and I try and share Jesus and convert them right now, they're going to look at you probably with a funny face and say, oh, thanks. But if I built relationship with you and I sit down with you and have coffee and we start talking and I say, have you ever heard of Jesus and what he wants to do for you? Have you ever invited him into relationship with you? Have you ever experienced the love and the care and the mercy that he shows you? Let's pray. Now you have an audience that will say, oh, thank you. I, I, I needed that, but I didn't know what I needed. Okay, that's the purpose of service. And I have no idea where I am. Jesus, at the, at the Last Supper, he, had, he, he knew he was going to the cross. He knew what was ahead of him. But as he invited the disciples with him, what did he do? He washed their feet. That was not the way culture went. That was the opposite of what would be expected of him. But he knelt and he washed their feet. Proverbs 11.25, Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Luke 6.27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. 
Luke 6.36, overflow with mercy and compassion for others just as your heavenly Father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. Psalm 37.23, when Yahweh delights in how you live your life, he establishes your every step. I want to be able to have a life that's so abundant and full that you can live in the overflowing joy of generosity. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. The, the most important thing I want you to hear this morning is this is a relationship with Jesus to take another step forward. You might already be a tither, which is wonderful. What would Jesus like you to go on an adventure for next? Where, where's the next thing he'd like to bring you some more freedom? You may be struggling to give a, a $10 bill in the offering. Where would Jesus like to take you next? What would he like to do to help you to find financial freedom? So I, I want this to be a, a, a liberating message, a freedom message. There's no condemnation. There's no law. There's none of that. Jesus is reaching out to you with his love and his, his compassion and his adventure journey of saying, what's next? Where are we going, Lord? Listen to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit knows exactly what he wants you to do. And your journey is different than yours, is different than yours, is different than yours. He's got an exciting adventure for you.